0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punch List MMA podcast. I am co-host Dale in here with the flying Hawaiian. You know he's not crying. He's super saiyan. Trayvon Buskirk. What's up, man?
1: New rap career. If this doesn't pan out, I know where I'm going to launch you next, brother.
0: I know. I also (laughs) just simultaneously pissed off all the Dragon Ball Z guys by saying super (laughs) saiyan instead of super sane, Uh, (laughs) which I only know... Because I've heard it, not because I've actually ever watched Dragon Ball Z.
1: Okay. Okay. Super Sage, you could have like at least brought in a little bit of MMA commentary there, but not I forward could. thinking enough, huh?
0: I could, but I mean if I was gonna t- want to talk about beefcake, I wouldn't talk about Sage. I'd talk about Stay Classy Meats. <laughs> <Cool>. So <laughs> if you go to stayclassymeats.com and use promo code FIST, you can get 10% off your entire order of farm to table grass fed beef. Uh which is way leaner and way better than Sage Northcutt.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. It's good.
0: So, so, what's going on, man? It's been a weird week. Um, the UFC is sticking by their guns. Three events in nine days, three events in eight days, something to that effect. Uh, steady listeners of the show, be prepared. We will be rifling out individual episodes for individual events.
1: Yep. And this one's going to go down when you've got the mayor and you've got the governor on board in Florida. I mean, there's no looking back. The UFC is going to be the first sport back on live television. And that's a big precedence to set forth.
0: Yeah, there's I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities that present themselves in any sort of media game that allow you to have all eyes on you. Um, You can build hype up and then say that the world is watching, but there are very few incidences out there on record where the entire world uh, has the opportunity to watch, and most of it probably will be watching. Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje are in position to have the highest watch numbers of any fight potentially in history.
1: Yeah, and I think the crazy thing is, I think a lot of people are interested to see the fallout as well, Is this going to be a thing where the fight card happens? And then the next day, Jeremy Stevens, Donald Cerrone, Greg Hardy, Fabricio Verdum, these guys all get (laughs) COVID-19? Yeah. This is a scary time, man. You don't want to be on the front lines. I know Dana White said, hey, the UFC is going to be the first sport back on television. But with that comes a ton of weight.
0: Yeah, there's a ton of issues associated with that, too, because you're also taking in liability of everybody that they – then come in contact with. So while the fighters themselves might not be uh, potentially infected or the coaches may not, you know, the cameraman that is there who gets a, who gets infected or whatever the case may be, whatever you call it with a virus, and then gives it to somebody else. And then let's say their grandpa or something passes away. If you can do the seven degrees of separation back to the point of origin and have it be that UFC event. I feel like that opens you up for a gigantic liability. The flip side of that coin, though, is we can't live in fear forever. So I get both people's or both parties' rhetorics here about wanting to both play it safe and get back to normal life.
1: If someone infects my girl, Megan O'Levy, I'll have a fit and I'll freak the fuck out.
0: I'm not going to say, mm, mm, <laughs> you're baiting mm. me there with the Megan O'Levy thing. And I am not saying anything. Uh, I commented on Take Megan O'Leavy on Take our, it. no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about Megan O'Levy. I talked about her on our Instagram live last week, very briefly uh, with Marshall from the combat hour. I am not going to bring it up again. Okay. The posts and the comments have since been wiped from the ether. So those of you that got to see them and got to, be a part of that. <laughs> Kudos to you uh, if you want to take pride in that sort of thing. But, yeah, I I have nothing else to say about that situation because you're going to make me mad.
1: Okay. Well, great restraint there. <laughs> Let's get into people that are actually beating each other up in UFC <laughs> 249. <laughs> mm.
0: oh, Grizzly. Oh, boy. You are all over it tonight. You're all over it. Yeah, let's talk about UFC 249. Uh, let's do a little bit of a deeper dive into the main and the co-main here tonight. Uh, I know you're all team alpha male, uh, especially okay. with your, your Megan O'Levy comments here. Um, but let's talk about this. Dominic Cruz taking on Henry Cejudo. Cejudo's coming back. You know what's crazy is it feels like Henry Cejudo's been gone for a really long time and that we haven't seen him fight. But it really has not been that long. And he's back, and he's going to defend that Bantamweight belt against the living legend himself, Dom Cruz.
1: I want to get your thoughts on this because it it does feel a lot longer, and obviously a lot of that is because the amount of chirping that's been going on since his last bout. But I think a lot of people are failing to talk about was his crazy shoulder surgery he had. No one's really talking about that and how that's going to affect him. I think that's a really invasive surgery that he did have And when you're going against someone that's going to have unique movement around him and he needs to utilize that range against someone who's much rangier, it's going to be really, really difficult for him.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a very understated point with what's going on right now. We saw this a lot with the the Korean zombie um, era that happened pre-Jose Aldo title fight. If you remember, a lot of times, uh, most of the time that the Korean zombie has been gone, has been because of shoulder issues. He's had chronic issues with his shoulders, uh, very invasive, extensive surgeries. And then if you look at his title fight against Jose Aldo, he actually dislocated his shoulder in a fight that he was otherwise doing rather well in. If you take that into account, somebody like, you know, not, not that my injuries are comparable to them, but I suffered a torn labrum uh, sparring. I know what a terrible shoulder feels like and what an extended injury feels like to the shoulder. That is no joke. The fact that TJ Dillashaw said that he fought for years with two torn labrum is unbelievable to me because I, sometimes I can't even reach the overhead part, like of the shower nozzle to, to like disconnect it without my shoulder feeling like it's moving around in there and to get into a, a cage and fist fight somebody and perform at the highest level humanly imaginable. I can't even imagine now that being said, TJ Dillashaw has been doped to the gills for how many years now. So I'm sure you're able to fight through a myriad of things when that's going on. But knowing how my shoulder feels with a torn labrum, I can't even imagine. And then you look at guys like Henry Cejudo and, um, uh, Korean zombie. And you just wonder how on earth, are you bouncing back, or how on earth are you enduring through that?
1: Yeah. Henry Cejudo, the cool thing about him, though, he's very adaptable, and he's able to kind of change his game plan. We saw that to the highest degree against Marlon Moraes' fight. I mean, he was getting pieced up from distance via leg kicks and completely changed his game Is he going to be able to shoot, get into a clinch-type formation, and maybe use some short jab and or elbows to kind of create a little bit of damage versus that overhand right, that extended jab, whatever it is, that would put a lot of emphasis and a lot of pain on that shoulder area.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, what we saw with Cejudo in the Marlon Moraes fight was akin to the— or the closest thing we've seen to Rich Franklin, Anderson Silva, where Marlon Moraes just— had no answer for the clinch had no, uh, no answer for the plum. He just, it was like, he didn't know how to combat that sort of situation. He had no defensive posture that was effective in that. And if you look at Henry Cejudo, I mean, obviously, you know, since he switched up uh, and took that more karate based stance and approach to his stand up, he's been on an absolute tear in winning title fights in two different divisions. Uh, no, nothing short of impressive, no doubt. Uh, but his ability to then implement another style and to do so effectively against a world-class opponent in the middle of a fight, essentially calling an audible and doing something amazing—you um, know—it would be no different than if you played piano professionally and then you the piano you had broke, so you picked up a guitar and just started playing guitar <laughs> and did just as well at, a, at guitar without. Missing a beat. I mean, it's unbelievable what he was able to do mid-fight, and I think his character that he's playing—this, this king of cringe—with you know, with the Instagram call-outs and the the Twitter beef, and you know, the stuff with his old lady online and all that stuff—that character is really detracting from his talent, and it's got people sort of on the opposite camp from him mm-hmm. out of a sense of wanting to see him get beat. And I, I have a hard time myself trying not to align myself with that camp that wants to see him get beat because I'm tired of the character, not necessarily the fighter himself.
1: Yeah, but but that that character that he's created, it's not very polarizing in this fight. And the reason I say that is because Dominic Cruz was the pioneer of cringe. I mean, he really was. With his type of ads, I mean, just the music he comes out to, like, Sandstorm, that techno shit, whatever it is. I mean, he is just like the embodiment of just pure, uncomfortable, just irked cringe. And it's just not displayed to the cheesy level that Henry Cejudo does. So you've got two people. So you can't be essentially switching camps from Dom Cruz to Henry Cejudo thinking that, you know, one's rhetoric or one's type of uh, persona they're putting out is worse than the other. They're both horrible in that facet. It's just a matter of, like you said, who can jump in, and who, from a tac- tactical perspective, is going to overcome it? Who's going to essentially just dis- dismiss the language and just say, "Hey, it's done in my fist and it's done in my legs and feet."
0: Yeah. Well, I think that I mean the difference is is that Cruz is a genuine cornball. Like that's a dude <laughs> yeah. that you know has been corny his whole life. Yeah. Um, it's just that's just the way he's always been. Um, but Cejudo. Realistically, is probably a pretty decent dude when he's not doing that character. Oh um, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's the same we hear with Colby Covington. It's right. It's all an act. When anyone meets Colby Covington, they say he is the nicest, most respectful, just cool dude. But it's all just complete showmanship and just to get right. you know another dollar in his bank account.
0: Right. So, character caricatures aside, when it comes to this fight, I think that Dominic is can present a real issue for henry cejudo i think you alluded to it earlier when you said that the range was going to be a factor i I really think that as long and i know this is super hard when when we're talking about a guy like dominic cruz but the more simple cruz can keep this fight the better his chances are of winning if he tries to do too much if he tries to get too, too cute uh he's gonna get clipped he's gonna get caught Uh, I think he needs to go with what got him to the big show, utilize his strength, utilize his size, utilize that distance, use his footwork to stay out of harm's way, and just take himself to a nice five-round decision. Do not try to get fancy. Don't try to finish Cejudo. Don't leave legs out there to get caught and taken down. Just stick, move, do with what got you where you are today.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one thing that Dom cannot do is feed into – any type of mannerisms or erratic behavior that happens inside the octagon. I think we saw with Dom Cruz versus Cody Garbrandt, Cody was able to kind of bait him. And that's the kind of badass type guy that Cody is. He wants to just, you know, put your foot in the center and move forward. I think that baited Dom. And Dom kind of threw his game plan out a little bit, which opened up a lot of vulnerability and Cody was able to capitalize. Henry Cejudo, I don't really see him as the type that's going to be kind of begging you and kind of pushing you forward and saying, like, talking shit, kind of Max Holloway style. I think he's going to keep to his game plan, which is good for Dom because analytically, it's going to keep him in his zone and keep him in his space and keep him within his game plan.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you're Henry Cejudo, how you win this fight is you take the game plan that you beat Mighty Mouse with and you implement that against Dominic Cruz. You score takedowns when you can. doesn't matter if he pops right back up or not. And then you end each round visually winning so it doesn't matter what happens in the first four minutes of the round you get the takedown secure the takedown finish with a flurry finish strong doesn't matter what the first two and a half or three minutes look like that's how you need every round you need to finish in a dominant position or as the aggressor that's how he wrestled the title away from mighty mouse that's how he can fight and beat dominant Cruz is he has to win the eyeball test don't go out there looking for the finish. Don't go out there looking for the submission. Go out there looking to win the eyeball test. Get the takedowns when you can. Doesn't matter if he pops back up and end every round as the aggressor.
1: I love it. Quick question: Dom Cruz and Henry Cejudo slated for the main fight of the night? Obviously, because title fight, right?
0: Would it be co-main?
1: No, I think it, I think it's going to be main. Wouldn't it? No.
0: No, no. You're sure? Yeah. Usually, what they usually what they'll do with that, in the event that it's not a Conor McGregor kind of situation, is they will they will tier them by weight class. Um, ah,
1: okay.
0: So even though it's for an interim title fight, they will put Tony versus Justin above um, Dom and Henry. Um, gotcha. That's usually that's usually the way they do it. Plus, to be honest with you, both of those guys are bigger draws than Dominic Cruz or oh, Henry Cejudo, so, sure. you know, so they're going to put that up there.
1: I just didn't know if title would uh, usurp what would not be a, a title, but yeah. No,
0: no. Well, they're. I think they're going to do it for the interim, are they not? Isn't the Tony-Justin fight going to be for an interim belt? No, I thought it was not and because Dana White
1: just came out and said that the winner of this 100%, which is interesting because I want to get your thoughts after we talk about Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. This fight would determine who for sure is going to fight Khabib in what would probably be September time. September,
0: right. Let's jump right into that. Let's jump into this Justin-Tony fight and and get into that. Uh, You know, the the common rhetoric that we're starting to see on the message boards, comment sections, things like that amongst hardcore and casual MMA fans alike is something that you and I have been talking about for a couple weeks now, and that this is a fight that's designed for Tony Ferguson to lose. And the common general public seems to think that, you know, not necessarily that we are onto something, but they're starting to sort of grasp onto that same little nugget of knowledge too. That the UFC is continuing to push forward and have Tony Ferguson fight because they would like to see him lose, because Tony losing is the fastest way to get Connor back in the cage with Kabib.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so orchestrated sometimes. It's it's absolutely bonkers. I think um, you and I both took uh, analytical approaches and, and kind of reviewed two different fight tapes. I took the approach and I, I watched the Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee, which you know was the fight that Tony Ferguson actually obtained the interim uh, belt. And you took the path and watched Justin Gaethje versus uh, Edson Barbosa. I want to take a moment and speak about the Tony Ferguson Kevin Lee fight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really telling fight for why I have a lot of Faith And I'm, you know, we'll, we'll again give our picks next week, but I'm really loving the Justin Gaethje part of this fight. If you looked at Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee obviously is an amazing wrestler. So is Justin Gaethje has roughly the same accolades NCAA. Great, great, great wrestler. But if you looked at Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee was able to secure the takedown numerous times against Tony Ferguson. Now, a lot of people will say, well, Tony Ferguson's great off his back. He's great off his back when someone shoots and he can quickly get that transition. He can quickly get his shin up, get a triangle. He can kind of create a posture, a little bit of butterfly guard or whatever it is. But the thing is, if you're able to secure that shoot and keep it to the ground, we saw Kevin Lee get full mount and almost close out the fight in round one of that fight. And then we saw some overhand rights that you could speak to. But I think the crazy thing is, With a wrestling background and pedigree that Justin Gaethje has, if he chooses to use it, which you have always said in every single episode, the problem is some wrestlers, once they get that thrill of that overhand right and that punching power, the wrestling goes out the window and they just love to be a striker. If Justin Gaethje can implement at least a little bit of variability like Kevin Lee did, I think this fight is extremely scary for Tony Ferguson, regardless if he's good off his back, you're only good off your back if you can make that transition happen in a second. If you can't have that, then you, you have nothing.
0: You're stuck. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, my, my concern with Gaethje going into this fight is we've seen a little bit of a diminish in his uh, his chin. The, the iron chin of Justin Gaethje has been slowly starting to, you know have some some chips taken out of it. Um, he, he's shown himself to be a little bit more susceptible to being rocked a little bit sooner in fights. But Tony Ferguson doesn't present knockout power. He presents damage. Uh, everything that he does is damaging. His elbows are sharp. Uh, he finds ways to damage even with punches, you know, shoulder strikes, knees, whatever the case may be. What was telling to me, to use your word, in the Gaethje Barbosa fight, Fight. And I just watched it today because the UFC posted it online for free. So I figured, I'll go ahead and watch this. It was only, you know, I think the, the fight was over in the first round. It was, it was a fairly, fairly quick fight. But what's funny to me is that Justin Gaethje comes out and immediately attacks the front leg of Edson Barbosa. And I've said for a while now that I think Justin Gaethje has the most underrated leg kicks in MMA today. He is an absolute killer when it comes to leg kicks. And if you look at what he does, he starts that fight by chopping Edson Barbosa's legs. Who goes out there and decides, I want to start <laughs> kicking legs? Let's just take turns kicking legs with Edson Barbosa. <laughs> no. Justin Gaethje does, right? Yeah. So if you look at a guy like that and you see how he's wired, what does Tony Ferguson present that's going to strike fear in the heart of Justin Gaethje? There's not going to be much. No. Like Gaethje has said before, I'm going to go. you're going to get about three and a half rounds here. And then I'm either going to get knocked out or, <laughs> yeah. you know, knocked out or choked out, or yep. he's going to be asleep. That's what you're going to get out of me. Yep. So a lot of people, even David Goggins, uh, was was speaking on the savagery of Tony Ferguson, you know, that savage mindset of making weight even when he doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that affects a guy like Justin Gaethje. I don't think that, that applies to him, um, you know when Tony Ferguson asked him if he was going to make it wait anyway, he said, no, I took the fight on nine days notice. I'm not going to make that cut. You're you know, that. <laughs> right. But I think that comes not from a position of not being savage, but just going, you, there's a point where savage and stupidity sort of blend together. Um, and you know, obviously guys like David Goggins, have been told their whole life that they're doing things that are stupid until they're done. And then people go, wow, you're You're, you're a monster, you know? Right. Um, uh, But you see guys like Tony Ferguson, and they're wired that certain way. But if Tony Ferguson loses this fight, which I believe that he probably will, how much blame will then be bounced back on Tony and say, oh, he was overtrained, Oh. oh, he was overextended? Oh, his layoff was too long. Oh, he originally prepared for a different opponent. Oh, yeah. he did. You know, so, so much of this is going to bleed back over into the narrative of Tony Ferguson being his own worst enemy or the UFC or Corona or COVID-19 being an extra adversary in the cage, if you will. Uh, I, I think the excuses are built in there. I just wonder how long people will hold on to that if this fight goes the way that I believe it's going to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that you're totally right and in regard to what will come um thereafter Tony Ferguson you know, I don't know what the reasoning behind that was and even his coaches will say that they totally said this is a horrible idea uh both from an immunity type perspective as well as just a a physical perspective to go from an ebb and flow of what he was probably at close to like 170 down to 155, and then back up 10 pounds, and then bring it back down. As in the midst of travel, where you don't really know where you're going, which leads to you know lack of hydration. I mean, there's just so many pieces to this to just you know just diminish you know the type of fighter that you are. So yeah, I you know again, like you said, this whole thing just seems a little too orchestrated to the great, grandiose, greatest, biggest pay-per-view of all times that is Khabib and Connor, And that's what I'm really nervous about. It's a perfect time from a vulnerable Tony Ferguson who, you know, I'm not saying that Dana White White said, oh, don't worry, we're going to get a depleted Tony Ferguson because he's going to try and make weight after the fight was canceled. Right. You know, (laughs) But I do think that all the cards are falling in Justin Gaethje. He finally has what is considerably a four-week camp. He thought he was fighting on April 18th. He's now getting May 9th. You know, this is a six week camp for him. So he gets a full camp under him. You know, it's not a full true camp because he's not able to, you know, probably spar with the amount of people he wants to spar with. But he's getting the length. He's getting the longevity. He's getting the time to do it in an appropriate manner. And that's going to be really devastating for Tony Ferguson, who's emotionally as well as physically just gone like a full on roller coaster.
0: Right. And I think what's interesting about that, too, is that Gaethje said he was more happy to take the fight on short notice than he was at this current uh, at this current distance, because he didn't find out that the fight was booked until they announced it. So they rescheduled it without really consulting him on it. He was unaware, um, he was unaware that the fight got rebooked. So whenever it initially was canceled, he said he felt, you know, a, a, a sigh of relief, if you will, that he wasn't going to have to fight on such a short notice. But when, you know, given the opportunity for a world title, it doesn't matter whether it's nine hours, nine days, nine weeks, you always say yes. That's, that was his overlapping thought on that. So now that this isn't for a world title, this isn't for an interim belt, um, you have this thing now where it's four weeks out. Well, why take a fight on four weeks notice when, when all the stakes uh, are are so high? And right. it, it, this is exactly what you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, is that nobody's coming out of this conflict unscathed. So if both of these guys come out jacked up, Tony Ferguson with a loss, and Justin Gaethje hurt, or vice versa, then what other title fight do you have to make in September other than Connor versus Khabib? Even though Connor does not deserve the shot, they'll still do it anyway. Right. Um, so... I, I think that this whole thing is set up. I mean, like you said, it's almost too orchestrated. It's too planned out. It's reading from the Conor McGregor playbook, 110%. But let's get into Conor real quick. The rumor on the street is, is that him versus Nate Diaz 3 will be one of the showcase fights on Fight Island.
1: <laughs> I do I... I, it's hard for me to believe that Connor loves fanfare. And if you don't think that Connor wants to fight in front of a stacked stadium, regardless if that's even feasible, given COVID-19, it's hard for me to believe that on a beach in God knows where Connor's going to fight in front of like 10 crew members and Megan Levy. <laughs> I
0: think he w- Listen, I think he will, because I mean, one, it's anything that he has as an opportunity to showcase himself. Is good for him, right? He understands the idea of good press, bad press. He understands a good idea, uh, the idea behind publicity. If he is fight island, per se, if he's the first one, um, you know, Connor's always about being first, right? right? He wants to be first in numbers, first to double champ status, first to whatever when it comes to whiskey or his clothing line or whatever the case may be, first on the Forbes list. He's all about being first. So to be the first headliner at Fight Island is something that you can entice him with. And to do it with a trilogy bout with a guy like Nate Diaz, where it's going to have to be pay-per-view, you're not going to have a live gate, it's going to solidify that him and him alone uh, will be in sole possession of every pay-per-view record, probably known to man when it comes to combat sports it's a great opportunity if you're him to get on board with something like that and he's posting stuff online which is sort of alluding to the idea of him coming back sooner rather than later he posted a video of him celebrating after a fight saying how much he loves celebrating after fights there's video online of him doing road work with a big blockade behind him he's out there running i mean if you're that concerned, Mr. Connor McGregor, I'm going to go, you know, spend millions of dollars on PPE for healthcare workers. Why are you out running? Why aren't you in the house on a treadmill on the bike?
1: This is true. Um, granted, he did have a massive uh, 10 car Land Rover entourage following him. Uh, right. But still. Um, you know, the one piece that almost runs perpendicular to this, though, is Top of mind, regardless of the trilogy fight, which, you know, John Cavanaugh, every single, you know, one in his camp actually wants, he is maniacal. He, all he wants is that Khabib fight. And he knows the only fight that we've really, truly, we saw a little bit when he fought um, uh, Chad Mendez, but he doesn't take much damage in his fights. And with Nate Diaz, he did. And he does. So the thing is, if you take a Nate Diaz type fight, you're gonna put put a put yourself out of commission for some time. You're not gonna be ha- you're not gonna have this quick. He said he wanted to fight three or four times this season. He wanted to create a season out of it. Well, if you take the Nate Diaz fight, the commission and uh, medical staff is not gonna probably permit you to have your season. You're gonna take damage because it's a brawl, you know, die on your shield type fight with Nate Diaz. So you're essentially omitting. You're saying, you know what? I'm going to pass on the Khabib fight, even if that were to miraculously come to my my doorstep. That's what's going to end up happening. So it it really is a, a you know a Robert Frost you know uh, tale two roads. He can right. either go he can either go with Nate Diaz or he can say you know what I'm going to sit this out because based on what, we, what we've been talking about, this Gaethje Tony fight is pretty much leading to the fact that it is a feasible thought for him to get back to that uh, run back with Khabib.
0: See, I think I, I, I'm landing somewhere in the middle here because I feel like the best way to hype the Khabib fight is to fight Nate Diaz again. Because if the Nate Diaz that showed up to fight Jorge Masvidal shows up to fight Connor, he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. Because <laughs> Jorge Masvidal destroyed Nate Diaz in an uncompetitive fight. And I know I'm pissing off the Diaz fanboys that said, oh, the fight was just getting good. They stopped it because the cut. He was coming back. Listen to me, bro. Listen, he's too fast, he's too strong, he hits too hard. He's going to get him out of there. He's going to knock him out. If you look at the way Nate Diaz's chin has completely eroded in the last few fights, he's getting rocked almost every shot now. You put that up against a guy like Connor who looks as explosive as ever, looks as strong as ever, and you just mirror what Jorge Masvidal is able to do against a guy like Nate Diaz. Conor McGregor dispatches Nate Diaz inside of a round and a half if they fight. So he goes to Fight Island. He shit pumps Nate Diaz. And then because Gaethje and Ferguson are out of commission from this title fight, Conor versus Khabib 2 in September, it's over with.
1: I mean, that's the that's the Disneyland scenario right there. I mean, that's Conor what we can
0: Connor could fight Diaz in end of June, July, and be ready for September. He could. He's not. He's unless he breaks a bone, he's good to go. Cause cuts will heal. He's not going to get knocked out, so you don't have to worry about concussions. So unless he breaks a bone in the Nate Diaz fight or tears a ligament, he's fine.
1: Dude, his foot could be a balloon. It his could be a could balloon. Be-
0: balloon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Let's put a bow on this thing. We got three episodes coming up with the upcoming fights. Um, things are going to get wet, wild and crazy, man.
1: They are. But, um, speaking of things that aren't going to get wet, wild and crazy, it shouldn't be your gronal region, my friend.
0: you 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 know what, <laughs> your groanel region <laughs> should not be wet, wild and crazy. Uh, but it, you can get wet, grab the lawnmower 3.0 and get <laughs> wild in the shower because it is waterproof. Uh, and at 70,000 RPMs, the lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped will take off anything that it comes in contact with outside of your grundle or your old uh ball and chain, if you will, because of that skin safe technology.
1: Oh yeah. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna say ladies and gentlemen, because ladies, you gotta do your grooming just as well. You know, us men, we we enjoy that. Ladies, you love it the you know the other way as well. What you need to do is you guys need to keep it high and tight. You need that good fade going, good you know. Fate. This this is the time. You're in quarantine. We don't want to all come out looking like yeti's. You got to you got to keep it high, keep it tight, and the only way you can do that is go to manscape.com and type in the code punch. Punch is going to get you 20% off and free shipping. Not only are you going to have a completely mowed lawn, freaking 18th green at the masters looking just perfectly sodded, but your dawn's going to look big, and you're going to be looking big.
0: Absolutely. Listen, there's a reason why bodybuilders shave all all their body hair off and then get that tan. It helps show definition. It helps you look bigger. That's science, bro. It's the aesthetics. (laughs) It's the aesthetics. If there's less obstruction, the object looks bigger. That's the way that it's always been. So remove the obstruction, make the object look bigger. Um, That's the way that it works. So. You know, one of my favorite things that we get is the random Instagram DMs or the occasional email where people say that they like things about the show. What I love is we're reaching this territory now where people are saying that the the meat that they have has never been better. And I don't know, Trey, whether they're talking about stay classy <laughs> or they're talking about stuff that's been affected by Manscaped. I, totally I really know. don't know. We are inadvertently have become a podcast about meat, both the kind you eat and the kind you beat.
1: Dude, I know. I swear. We open up, um, if you ever want to email us at chat at punchlist.com, I'm scared it's either going to be a delectable Italian sausage or it's going to be some dude's sausage. And that's an issue.
0: Speaking of which, we did get, we did get a, a, a feet picture uh, <laughs> after I announced that you liked, um, that you liked feet. So I'm yes. going to post that up on our Instagram story uh, so that way everybody can see the, the the feet picture that you got. And I want to encourage people, uh, do not send Trey any more feet pictures. Do not send them to us uh, at Instagram at punchlist MMA. Don't send <laughs> us uh, emails of feet pictures. Trey doesn't want to see them at chat at punchlist.com. Don't do that. Trey doesn't want to see them.
1: I haven't seen the one you've sent yet, though, so you know, debatable. But we'll right. end it on that.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, listen, it's been great. Uh, what beer are you drinking tonight,
1: dude? I've kept it. I got the variety pack, the Kona Brewing. So right now I'm doing Kua Bay Indian Pale Ale. Um, it's delicious, delectable. It? I'm I'm all about this Kona kind of Brewing, and even though, like I said before, they're not really brute. I mean, they have a brewery in Kona. Okay. They're from Seattle, but anything I placebo effect just crushes your boy right. liquid aloha. I'm I'm already on a beach. I'm at fight on fight Island. You got the ass in the sand.
0: You got the shirt on for it too. I mean, wow. it's just, it's crazy. You're been, ready to rock and roll. I think so. All right, guys until, <laughs> until next week, be good to each other. Follow us on all Instagram or on all social media platforms and YouTube like subscribe, share. We appreciate everybody's support. Thanks for supporting the show through our show sponsors. Shout out to Stay Classy Meets and Manscaped. Appreciate you guys. Catch you next week.